live stream via Jeff Cook, Jeff Stout, uh, in the in the media control room of Ceasefire, actually in their home. Uh, but we continue the the series on In the Wilderness. Uh, if you remember last week, uh, Phil made the comment that as long as we're quarantined and we're out of Ceasefire's building, we will continue the series of In the Wilderness uh, as we all struggle with this coronavirus. I know uh, we had our leadership meeting last week and talked about a couple of things, uh, one of which was uh, Jeff Cook and, and Stout have been working on getting men's table in links on social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, as well as our webpage. So if, uh, if you have access to Facebook and you would like to do a social distancing um, group watch of Men's Roundtable, you can. Please go online uh, with your friends uh, and, and uh, sign up for a watch party. I'm not going to say I know how to do that, but I know there are people that do. Uh, I have not experienced that yet, but you can do a watch party with a group of uh, group of guys that you would normally sit with, maybe, uh, or others that you might invite to be a part of the men's roundtable. We encourage you to do that. Guys, in our conversations uh, last week with the leadership team, one of the things that uh, was mentioned was this social distancing. That's what seems to be the buzzword with the self-quarantining and staying safe at home is social distancing. And uh, someone mentioned that uh, they had heard another phrase for that. Instead of social distancing, it's physical distancing. And I agree with that. We should be uh, physically distant, but socially close. And we're using technology today that God's blessed us with uh, to be able to bring men's roundtable to you. And we will continue to do that. But I would encourage you to maybe drop the word of social distancing and let's use a uh, physical distancing that's actually what we're doing we're trying to stay six feet apart or better but we need to stay socially connected either through uh these video chats or through telephone calls however you might be able to do it i encourage you to reach out to family and friends that you've not been in touch with and just stay in touch with them let me open this with a word of prayer as we get started this morning heavenly father we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here through this video live stream we thank you for Phil and the men that are gathered on his patio at his home. Lord, we thank you so much for the preparedness that Chris and Jeff and Jeff and Phil go through weekly to be able to bring this uh, venue to uh, the men. And we know there are wives that are watching as well, and we welcome them. Lord, we ask that you would bless our time, bless those involved. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Uh, greetings, my friend. Uh, greetings from uh, Fairhope, Alabama, and uh, trust that you are uh, safe and warm in uh, wherever you are. And um, I'm um, here on the patio um, with my good friends, Dan and Mark, um, that are with me, and I'm, and I'm glad they are. And um, even have uh, a little fire going this morning. We had a um, storm come through uh yesterday and the air is uh, cool i've got my sweater on this morning and and the girl fire going as i told the guys this is the girl fire and over on the other side of the patio is the man fire pit you got to smell like smoke over there to sit around the man fire and then this is the girl fire here you know it's gas laws um 
and um, also have a, a, a special friend uh, here. And um, I'm going to try not to break down in tears um, because as, as many of you know uh, that I sent out a, a little notice and one of the guys posted on Facebook, so it kind of exploded that um, Duke is laying here at my feet on his pad and um, it's come time to say goodbye to my good friend and uh, he's in such bad shape um, that we've decided to put him down uh, this afternoon. Um, so um, I'm celebrating his life. We uh, had a, a good time as a family last night of uh, saying goodbye and lots of tears uh, to Duke. And um, this is a day of celebration uh, of, uh, of his life. So he's going ahead to scout out um, uh, the mansion that we will live in to eternity. And um, I will see him again, uh, but not yet. Uh, this morning, uh, I want to offer you a song, and uh, it's, uh, it's really fun to offer this song to you because it's written uh, by my good friend, uh, Wendell Kimbrough, and uh, Wendell was here on the patio last week, and Wendell was uh, um, um, uh, an important part of our men's group uh, here in Fairhope, and he actually uh, helps me lead uh, fish camp, and uh, Wendell's a very gifted uh, uh, songwriter, musician, you can pull up his um, uh, Pandora station, uh, go on Amazon, buy his uh, 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 CDs, um, listen to his song uh, cast uh, on Sunday night um, off of YouTube. So uh, as, as I often say, Wendell's as talented as Chris Tomlin, but he's cheaper, a lot cheaper. <laughs> but uh, he's a dear friend and um, what, what uh, Wendell is gifted in and he loves to do is meditate on a psalm um, and then put it um, to music in his own words, uh, kind of retool it, personalize it. And the song that I want to offer you this morning uh, is out of um, Psalm 62 and it's Wendell's uh, personalizing of um, a psalm about persevering in difficult times. The song is, I will not be shaken. Um, may you hear the voice of God uh, through my good friend Wendell's uh, talents and words. For God alone I wait in silence My soul is still Before the Lord He is my rock And my salvation My fortress strong I'll trust in Him I'll not be shaken
encourage you um, as we have continued to talk about through this series um, to make music um, um, a major part of your journey and um, Jeff will add uh, Wendell's uh, song I will not be shaken uh, to our playlist on Spotify into the wilderness and um, may that uh, be a resource to you be on the alert stand firm in your faith Act like men, be strong. Uh, words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. So we continue our series into the wilderness, uh, understanding and embracing the dark times of your life. And as uh, Joe mentioned, uh, we will be in this series as long as we are locked out of ceasefire. Um, if God can take the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years to prepare them for the promised land, then we can certainly spend a few extra weeks um, in um, the scriptures going through um, the, that uh, journey. Um, this would have normally been the day um, that I would have started a new series, but we continue. So follow with me um, as we read the introductory paragraph. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. 
Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment of crisis. And since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. And that's certainly been my experience through this. I mean, I've gotten in the fog, and I've had to clear uh, my head and my heart, um, the eyes of my heart, in order to really see clearly God's protection, provision, and preparation through this um, pandemic. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together. This morning, um, the... uh, window um, that we want to look into uh, the wilderness house. Whichever window you look into is what you know and see about the house. And the window that we're going to look at um, is you will need to fight. You will need to fight. Did you really think it was going to be easy? And And I can only imagine after the dynamic entry into the wilderness, uh, after the Red Sea, I mean, the jubilation, the celebration, the hymn uh, that God taught Moses, and then Moses taught the children of Israel in Exodus 15, man, it was celebration time. And then times got rough. And that's what we kind of went into in Exodus chapter 16 and Exodus 17 that we looked at last week with the water and, um, you know, God providing water when there was nothing. And it's like times got hard, and now today they get harder. You're going to have to fight, you're in a war. You're in a battle, and we are every day. So I want you to pick up your pen, and let's go to work deliberately, and let's do a little journaling. Um, So I have three questions for you. First question, are you a fighter, a warrior? Are you a fighter, a warrior? Now, on your handout there, there's a little typo. What are you, a fighter, a warrior? (laughs) Let's uh, uh, just mark out the what. Questions should just simply be, are you a fighter? And, and certainly there's nobody that wants to answer that question. No, I'm a coward. And there's lots of other words that our junior high friends called us or that we called our junior high friends. Junior high kids can be brutal. And um, it's like nobody wants to be picked on. Uh, nobody wants to be beat up by the bully. But at some point, whether it's in junior high, high school, college, or as a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old man, 
you're going to have to fight. Um, and there's been times in my life um, that I've had to look myself in the mirror and decide, um, am I going to fight or am I going to just cash it in? Are you a fighter, a warrior? That's what we're called to be, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Second question that I would ask you, what battle are you fighting today? What battle? And certainly, we're all fighting this pandemic battle in a certain sense. But you know, my guess is that the pandemic is not nearly as threatening to you as what's going on inside you. I said to um, a man uh, that I was sitting with uh, through uh, uh, telehealth, the video session, I said, you know, your wife is not your problem. The problem is inside of you. And he kept trying to convince me that his wife was the problem. And um, most often, the enemy is inside of us. I mean, I love the, uh, the old movie, um, you know, The Alien. And, and, and it's the alien that was inside the guy. The, the guy got exposed to the alien somehow outside the spaceship. And they brought him back in. And, and they, they, they knew he had exposure uh, to the alien, but they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. They checked him over. He seemed to be fine. They go into the dining hall. They're having uh, lunch. And all of a sudden, boom! I mean, the alien throws him up, he flops like a seal up on the table, and the alien pops out of his belly. And it was one of the first movies that we actually really got to see uh, the monster. It wasn't in the shadows. And it's like the monster was inside. The enemy was inside. And that is the typical way that the enemy works against us. My biggest problem is what's going on inside me not outside me. And then thirdly, who do you know that's in the wilderness now? Uh, and we all are. We all are. But be mindful of how the wilderness is particularly manifesting itself in those around you, uh, those in your home or even, even friends. And uh, Joe, as you mentioned, I appreciated your words. It's uh, we don't want a social distance; we want a physical distance. But we want to maintain those social uh, connections to those that we love and that love us. So you're going to need to fight. You're going to need to fight into the wilderness. It's time to fight. So turn over uh, with me uh, to Exodus 17. I think uh, Jeff's going to put that up on the screen. You can follow, or and then uh, on the back of your notes, Chris has got the passage. Again, the context of the passage coming into the middle of uh, chapter 17 uh, is that God has um, uh, brought them to a couple of, uh, couple of episodes of lack of water. Uh, they came to a spring, Mara, uh, bitter, and, he brought, and then he uh, says, okay, um, I'll get you out of that. Um, he takes them to a place of Elam that has 70 palm trees. It's like a resort. He puts them in the resort. And, um, you know, then uh, they're hungry, so he starts feeding them manna in the morning uh, and quail in the evening. Joe, you would love that. Manna in the morning, 
kind of a waffle and honey is, is what it was. It was a wafer and honey. Um, and then in the evening, quail. I mean, how good does it get? You know, you weren't even in South Dakota and you're getting quail. And then the, the episode that we looked at last week um, was another uh, um, place of lack of water, uh, Masa and Meribah. Uh, and it illustrated uh, just the testing and the quarreling of the people. And so, you know, when I think of the wilderness, and, and you may be in the same boat, I, I, I generally I generally think that the wilderness is this post-Red Sea, pre-promised land crossing that is really just marred with just kind of this wandering. People are hungry. Uh, people are thirsty. They're complaining, they're celebrating, God's patient, God's angry, we're just kind of wandering around. But you know, the episode that we're looking at today is a little bit of a shocker. It's like, here we are, uh, the sun's hot, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, life's pretty bad, but guess what? You're going to have to fight. There's an enemy that comes up. It's if things weren't bad enough, and this is the way we often think. It's like, well, life's pretty bad, and then it gets worser. It gets worser. So pick up with verse eight, Exodus seventeen. Amalek came and fought Israel at Rephidim. Moses ordered Joshua, select some men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will take my stand on top of the hill, holding God's staff. Now, who's Amalek? Uh, the Amalekites. You know who Amalek is and was? He's the grandson of Esau. Now, you know, you know a little bit about your uh, uh, Bible history. Uh Jacob cheated Esau out of his birthright. And out of Esau's family came Ishmael, a couple other brothers, and um, and then they Esau has a grandson named Amalek. Um, and Amalek um, is stated here in later on in the passage that I'll read of how God continues to work through the Amalekites to be a thorn in the flesh of the Jews. And it's interesting, uh, as I've done a little research on this, who are the Amalekites today? And I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there. And nobody really knows concretely who they are, but it's certainly those who oppose the Jews. I mean, it, it could be those who live in Palestine today, throwing rocks over the fence or whatever. And even some of the things that I read talk about Germany, the Nazis, being the Amalekites. And it's hard to believe that that would be literally true, but there's no doubt that it's figuratively true in the sense of how God has used, quote-unquote, Amalekites um, to be a threat to the Jews. Verse 10, Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur 
went to the top of the hill, and it turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. But Moses' hands got tired, so they got a stone and set it under him. He sat on it, and Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on each side, so his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Joshua defeated Amalek and its army in battle. Wow. Jews win, Jews won, Amalek zero. God said to Moses, write this up as a reminder to Joshua to keep it before him because I will most certainly wipe the very memory of Amalek off the face of the earth. And Moses built an altar and named it God my banner. And he said, salute God's rule, God at war with Amalek always and forever. And that's been the continual curse where there's been literally the Amalekites or figuratively the Amalekites, the Jews have been opposed. They've been in war consistently with quote unquote Amalekites. Guys, we are no different. I mean, the two main points of this that I want you to understand and, and, and just got the notes uh, there on the, on the screen is opposition is real. Opposition is real. You are in a war. I'm in a war every day. I have to get my head straight, my heart straight. When my feet hit the floor, the enemy is ready. And somebody posted on Facebook this crazy deal. You know, it's like, I want to be the kind of guy that when my feet hit the floor, the enemy says, oh, no, he's up. And it's, it's the idea that we are going to be opposed. And, 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 some, and sometimes, as I, as I mentioned earlier, my greatest opposition is not out there. It's in here. My, my crazy head, my crazy head gets me in as much trouble or more trouble than all the external forces around me. But God always provides. God provides. God provides. I would say this, guys, we have to recover our will to be a warrior. We are called to be a warrior. That's what this idea of fighting means. Even in Exodus 15, as God's teaching Moses the song, Exodus 15 says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You're going to have to fight. This is not about Sunday school and, you know, making sure you got your Easter dress on, guys, you know, or whatever, your Easter bow tie. It's like you're going to have to fight. And in some ways, wouldn't it make more sense if to go to church we didn't put our combat boots on and our war fatigues? In a certain sense, that would be more fitting. We're called to fight. And one of the first pieces in order to recover our sense of being a warrior is the sense of mission. I don't believe we have a mission that we're living by until it's written down. What do you write down? You know, um, in our um, ministry, business and professional outreach, um, we have a purpose statement 
a vision statement, and a mission. Um, I'm not going to take the time to read that to you, but purpose uh, that I've got here is why do you exist? Why does BPO exist? Or why does Phil Harden exist? That's my purpose. My vision is what I'm trying to accomplish, okay? This is why I exist, but the vision is what are you trying to accomplish? And, and I would just say, you know, and me personally in our ministry is we're, we're trying to accomplish uh, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, bringing every man that God brings our way to a place of wholeness or completeness or maturity. And then mission is how do you plan to accomplish your vision? How do you plan to do that? And I would just say that if you don't have something on paper, then you don't have a mission. I mean, a mission is like marching orders. And it's part of why I see in my own life the need to write in my journal every morning. It's kind of like when I write in my journal, I'm writing out my mission. A man must have a battle to fight, a great mission for his life that involves, but also transcends home and family. What would you write in your journal today if you knew that this was your last day? What's your mission today? A mission is something written down. I'm going to share with you um, a letter from Sullivan Ballou, Major Sullivan Ballou. And he wrote this um, before the Battle of Bull Run on July the 14th, 1861. And this is a journal entry, or um, it's actually a letter to his wife, but they found it in his uh, journal. He writes this the night before the Battle of Bull Run. My very dear wife, indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow, lest I should not be able to write you again. I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I shall be no more. Our movement may, want, may be one of a few days duration and, a full, and full of pleasure, and it may be one of severe conflict and death to me. Not my will but thine, O God, be done. If it is necessary that I should fall on the battlefield for any country, I am ready. I have no misgivings about or lack of confidence in the cause in which I am engaged, and my courage does not halt or falter. I know how strongly American civilization now leans upon the triumph of government and how great a debt we owe to those who went before us through the blood and suffering of the revolution. And I am willing, perfectly willing, to lay down all my joys in this life to help maintain this government and to pay that debt. But my dear wife, when I know that with my own joys I lay down nearly all of yours, and replace them in this life with care and sorrows, when after having eaten for long years the bitter fruit of orphanage myself, I must offer it as their only sustenance to my dear little children, is it weak or dishonorable while the banner of my purpose floats calmly and proudly in the breeze, that my unbounded love for you, my darling wife and children, should struggle in fierce though useless contest with my love of country. It's an incredible sentence. 
that he talks about his love and his commitment to be a warrior might even bring his children uh, in, into being orphans. I cannot describe to you my feelings on this calm summer night when 2,000 men are sleeping around me, many of them enjoying the last, perhaps before that of death, and I suspicious that death is creeping behind me with his fatal dart and communing with God, my country, Ten hundred hours. I followed your orders to the minute. I changed the time to zero nine forty-five. No one told me, sir. I telephoned. I'm quartered with a family that has no telephone. And sent a runner. No runner found me, Captain. Irregardless, when given a task to perform by a ranking officer, you should have delegated your task of latrine inspection to another officer. You failed to do so. Were to let such a failure of duty by my own XO go unpunished, what kind of message is that to the men? I performed my duty as I was ordered, sir. And I disagree. So, your options are quite simple, Lieutenant. Punishment for your offenses will be denial of a 48-hour pass for 60 days. Stand before me at attention. Or you may initiate a letter of appeal and request a trial by court-martial. Spend your weekends on the base anyway, Dick. Be a man. Take the punishment. May I borrow your pen, sir? My endorsement, sir. I request trial by court-martial. So, guys, um, I understand that we're having difficulty with our video, and you may have to go back and watch this. But in that scene, um, Major Dick Winters is confronted by Sobels. And I showed a clip last week, and, and Easy Company guys in the real interviews gave great testimony to Sobel was a difficult guy. And he calls Major Dick Winters out, and he gives him a choice. He can spend 60 days on the base, lose all of his leave, or – he can sign a document that would bring him before a, a court-martial court uh, and face court-martial. And he tells him, you know, okay, you know, take your punishment. You don't get any leave for 60 days. You know what Major Dick Winters did? He, he takes Sobel's pen and he says, I'm signing up for the court-martial. My name is so valuable. I'll stand in my own integrity. I will not allow you to pen a false charge against me. Character. This next piece is about teamwork, and he pulls his team together and they collaborate together. Got to have a team, guys. Watch this. Hey, the 88s we've been hearing have been spotted in a field down the road a ways. Major Strand wants to take him out. There are two guns that we know of firing on Utah Beach and plan on a third and a fourth here and here. The Germans are in the trenches with access to the entire battery and with machine gun cover in the rear. We'll establish a base of fire and move under it hard and fast with two squads of three. How many crowds do you think we're facing? 
no idea. So guys, integrity, got to have a team. And this next clip um, is about instruction. They're on the battlefield, bullets are flying. Guy is, is, is scared to death, hunkered down in his foxhole. And Winters pulls him out and instructs him and helps him get out of his fear. He teaches, he teaches, he teaches. to watch the rest of this uh, offline. I just looked at my watch and we're running out of time. So Jeff will back out of the video. But the last part of that is the idea of vision uh, in organizing and executing uh, the plan. Integrity, having a team, being able to teach, having a, a strategy, and then executing the plan. Guys, um, this idea of being a warrior and being involved in a battle is our calling. And so I would, I would just close with just this last piece. Who are you? The question that I began with, are you a fighter? Are you a warrior? You're going to have to fight. And typically, there's three kind of guys. First guy says there's no battle, <laughs> no such thing. You know, it's just, it's just stuff. There's no real big scene. There's no battle. And I, and I would say at that point, that guy has completely made an agreement with the enemy uh, exactly as the enemy would want him to make, that there's no such thing as a war. There's no enemy. There's no battle. That guy's out, rendered useless. Second kind of guy is he's fighting the wrong battle. Um, he's fighting against the ones that love him the most, maybe fighting his wife, maybe fighting his kids. He's not realizing that the battle most oftentimes is the one inside. The problem is not me, but the problem is in me. 
and we need to see that. And then finally and thirdly is the third guy. He knows his battle. Do you know your battle? And I would invite you to answer these five questions. Just stay on your handout. Print your handout off of our website. Five questions. What are you fighting for? What is your greatest enemy? Do you see your calling to the battle? How desperately do you need God to show up for any chance of victory? And fifthly, if you win the battles you're currently fighting, what will be the result if you win the battles? And that question implies that you're fighting the right battle. Guys, we are in tough times. We're in the wilderness. And as if things weren't bad enough for the Israelites, God had the Amalekites come up from their rear and engage them in battle. And today, there's going to be things that you're confronted with, things that I'm confronted with. Are you ready to fight? Are you a warrior? The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He empowers us in the gospel to fight the battles that he calls us to. May you fight well. May you fight bravely. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your calling, for the mission that you've given us. Help us to see it clearly and empower us to execute your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, guys. See you. Never forget how much I love you, nor that when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. Forgive my many faults and the many pains I've caused you, how thoughtless, how foolish I have oftentimes been, how gladly would I wash with them with my tears every little spot upon your happiness and struggle with all the misfortune of this world to shield you and my children from harm. But I cannot, I must watch you from the spirit land and hover near you while you buffet the storms with your precious little freight and wait with sad patience till we meet, depart no more. Two more paragraphs. But oh, Sarah, if the dead can come back to this earth and fit unseen around those they love, I shall always be near you in this garish day, in the darkest night amidst your happy, happiest scenes and gloomiest hours always, always. And if the soft breeze fans your cheek, it shall be my breath or the cool air cools your throbbing temples, it shall be my spirit passing by. Sarah, do not mourn me, dear. Think I'm gone and wait for me, for we shall meet again. In final paragraph, as for our little boys, they will grow as I have done and never know a father's love and care. Little Willie is too young to remember me long, and my blue-eyed Edgar will keep my frolics with him among the dimmest memories of his childhood. Sarah, I have unlimited confidence in your maternal care and your development of their characters. Tell my two mothers, I call God's blessing upon them. Oh, Sarah, I wait for you there. Come to me and lead thither my children. Major Sullivan Ballou was killed the next day at the Battle of Bull Run. This was prophetic. It was his mission. It was his eulogy. 
in a sense, that he wrote. We're called to be warriors, men. What would you write out today as your mission? Because again, we are called, we are called to be a part of the great battle that God is orchestrating through redemptive history. And we must engage. God has given you a place in this great battle, and your initiation journey will take you there. Initiate, initiate, initiate. Engage. It's what a man is. Winston Churchill said this as he was called to lead Britain through World War II. He said this, quote, I felt as if I were walking with destiny and that all my past life had been but a preparation for this hour and for this trial. Guys, I believe that every part of my life prepares me for today. Today, God has called me to a mission into a great battle, and I believe he has called me Ten hundred hours. I followed your orders to the minute. I changed the time to zero nine forty-five. No one told me, sir. I telephoned. I'm quartered with a family that has no telephone. And sent a runner. No runner found me, Captain. Irregardless, when given a task to perform by a ranking officer, you should have delegated your task of latrine inspection to another officer. You failed to do so. Were to let such a failure of duty by my own XO go unpunished, what kind of message is that to the men? I performed my duty as I was ordered, sir. And I disagree. So, your options are quite simple, Lieutenant. Punishment for your offenses will be denial of a 48-hour pass for 60 days. Stand before me at attention. Or you may initiate a letter of appeal and request a trial by court-martial. Spend your weekends on the base anyway, Dick. Be a man. Take the punishment. May I borrow your pen, sir? My endorsement, sir. I request trial by court-martial. So, guys, um, I understand that we're having difficulty with our video, and you may have to go back and watch this. But in that scene, um, Major Dick Winters is confronted by Sobels. And I showed a clip last week, and, and Easy Company guys in the real interviews gave great testimony to Sobel was a difficult guy. And he calls Major Dick Winters out, and he gives him a choice. He can spend 60 days on the base, lose all of his leave, or – he can sign a document that would bring him before a, a court-martial court uh, and face court-martial. And he tells him, you know, okay, you know, take your punishment. You don't get any leave for 60 days. You know what Major Dick Winters did? He, he takes Sobel's pen and he says, I'm signing up for the court-martial. My name is so valuable. I'll stand in my own integrity. I will not allow you to pen 
a false charge against me. Character. This next piece is about teamwork, and he pulls his team together, and they collaborate together. Got to have a team, guys. Watch this. The 88s we've been hearing have been spotted in a field down the road a ways. Major Strand wants to take him out. There are two guns that we know of firing on Utah Beach. We plan on a third and a fourth here and here. The Germans are in the trenches with access to the entire battery and with machine gun cover in the rear. We'll establish a base of fire and move under it hard and fast with two squads of three. How many crowds do you think we're facing? No idea. So guys, integrity, gotta have a team. And this next clip um, is about instruction. They're on the battlefield, bullets are flying. Guy is, is, is scared to death, hunkered down in his foxhole. And Winters pulls him out and instructs him and helps him get out of his fear. He teaches, he teaches, he teaches. Watch for silhouettes on the horizon! Find your target! On the park! Nail it! Gordo! Get your men in order! Stay low! Pour it out and protect it! To your left! Keep going, keep going! I'm going to invite you to watch the rest of this uh, offline. I just looked at my watch. We're running out of time, so Jeff will back out of the video. But the last part of that is the idea of vision uh, in organizing and executing uh, the plan. Integrity, having a team, being able to teach, having a, a strategy, and then executing the plan. Guys, um, this idea of being a warrior and being involved in a battle is our calling. And so I would, I would just close with just this last piece. Who are you? The question that I began with, are you a fighter? Are you a warrior? You're going to have to fight. And typically, there's three kind of guys. First guy says there's no battle, <laughs> no such thing. You know, it's just, it's just stuff. There's no real big scene. 
there's no battle. And I, and I would say at that point, that guy has completely made an agreement with the enemy uh, exactly as the enemy would want him to make, that there's no such thing as a war, there's no enemy, there's no battle. That guy's out, rendered useless. Second kind of guy is he's fighting the wrong battle. Um, he's fighting against the ones that love him the most, maybe fighting his wife, maybe fighting his kids. He's not realizing that the battle most oftentimes is the one inside. The problem is not me, but the problem is in me. And we need to see that. And then finally and thirdly is the third guy. He knows his battle. Do you know your battle? And I would invite you to answer these five questions. Just stay on your handout. Print your handout off of our website. Five questions. What are you fighting for? What is your greatest enemy? Do you see your calling to the battle? How desperately do you need God to show up for any chance of victory? And fifthly, if you win the battles you're currently fighting, what will be the result if you win the battles? And that question implies that you're fighting the right battle. Guys, we are in tough times. We're in the wilderness. And as if things weren't bad enough for the Israelites, God had the Amalekites come up from their rear and engage them in battle. And today, there's going to be things that you're confronted with, things that I'm confronted with. Are you ready to fight? Are you a warrior? The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He empowers us in the gospel to fight the battles that he calls us to. May you fight well. May you fight bravely. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your calling, for the mission that you've given us. Help us to see it clearly and empower us to execute your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, guys. See you next week.